Welcome to Lawyer Business Advantage, your source for biz dev tips, wisdom, and inspiration. I'm your host, Alej Yajnik. We're unleashing your inner rainmaker in three, two, one. And it is my pleasure to welcome to the show, Stephen Seckler, president of Seckler Legal Recruiting and Coaching. Steve, how are you today? I'm doing great, LA. Thanks so much for having me. Delighted to have you on the show, and I hope things are going well in the New England area for you. Now, you run a legal recruiting business, and you've had an interesting path to that. How did you get started in, in legal recruiting? So, first of all, I just want to say I really appreciate having the opportunity to speak on your podcast. As you know, I do my own podcast, and it's much more fun to be on the receiving end. <laughs> so, I really, I really appreciate having the chance to just answer the questions rather than have to ask them. So I got started, so, so I went to law school and I had some strong feelings when I was in law school that I was going to save the world. But as I got near the end of my legal education, I realized that practicing law wasn't really something that I wanted to pursue. I really liked being a lawyer. I liked and identified with lawyers. I understand lawyers, but I wanted to do something that was law related. And so I went to work for... Massachusetts Continuing Legal Education, where I essentially was planning conferences, and I was meeting a lot of the leaders of the bar in Massachusetts. We would plan curricula and then plan seminars. And after I'd been doing that for a while, and frankly, after my second child was born, I decided it was time to be a little bit more entrepreneurial, earn a little bit more money. And I just basically opened my own recruiting business. And I decided, because really what I was doing when I was working at Massachusetts Continuing Legal Education was recruiting. A lot of putting together conferences is about finding the right talent and then plugging them in to seminars and, and opportunities to help the organization plan appropriate curriculum. And I already had the skills of going out and trying to recruit the best talent. But I didn't want to just open a business that looked like every other recruiting business. And I had received some coaching along the way. And I had been very interested in coaching. And so I decided that when I opened my business, that I would be a recruiter, but I would also coach lawyers. And so since that time, in various incantations, I've been recruiting and coaching lawyers. And what would you say is unique or different about uh, the recruiting services you provide versus uh, you know, services that people might find elsewhere? So I think a lot of legal recruiting is really focused on the high end. A lot of recruiters are very focused on trying to service large law firms. There are also recruiters that focus on doing in-house. I think my own special brand of recruiting is that I am very focused on the candidate. A lot of recruiters tend to be more focused on the clients, which are either the law firms or the corporations. Sure. My brand is really all about trying to help lawyers find more career satisfaction. And if that means that I don't end up placing them somewhere, that's totally fine. I really want people to make moves that make sense. And so my brand is that I'm helping lawyers and have for the last 20 years find more career satisfaction. Well, I think that's a very different uh, perspective and, and a welcome one. Um, for those of you that, that aren't familiar with recruiters, they typically work for the companies that hire them. Um, and that can lead to sometimes conflicts of interest between you know, the candidate and, and the firm as far as negotiating salary and, and, and career development and those kinds of things. But Steve, with your approach, you really are taking the 
uh, you, you take the candidate first and then you try and find them an appropriate home within your legal firm network. That's, that's a great fit with where they want to take their career. That is terrific. So congratulations to you on starting that firm and, and building it up. Yeah. And I will say, and I, I don't want to be disingenuous. I mean, I obviously, since I'm being paid by the law firm or by the corporation, I owe a duty to the client. I need to help them hire the best talent. But my, my, my belief is that if I help them hire someone and that person isn't going to be happy there, then it wasn't something that, you know, it's a, it's a bad fit. And, and if it ends up being a bad fit, um, nobody's going to be happy. So I, I think everybody, I think the client, again, the client is the law firm and the client is the corporation. I think they're much better off hiring people that are going to be happy in the long run. And so you said, you know, you do legal recruiting, but you also do coaching. And how do those two fit together for you? The way they fit together, originally doing the coaching was sort of more a way to add extra value to the people that I was trying to recruit. And in some sense, it still is. I mean, talking to lawyers about, a lot of lawyers want to go in-house and just coaching them through how to make those kinds of transitions, even just informally, is a way that I can add value to the people that I'm trying to recruit. But in order to be successful in a law firm, ultimately, most lawyers need to be able to develop a book of business. And so I really enjoy helping lawyers be successful where they are. And if they're not going to make a move and they want to be more successful where they are, then learning how to be more effective in generating work is really critical. And lawyers don't necessarily graduate from law school with that skill set. For people listening to this podcast, they probably understand the value of being able to build a book of business. It makes you so much more marketable. It gives you so much more independence. And uh, when it comes to choosing the law firm that's the right fit for you, it's so much easier if you can come to that law firm with a book of business or you've proven that you can readily build uh, a book of business yourself. Um, it's, also, got- it's also important in partnership decisions. So if a lawyer wants to be elevated to partnership, a lot of times that's going to be somewhat dependent on their ability to generate work. And I work with lawyers who want to increase their odds of, of becoming partner. Yes, that is definitely critical. Uh, the ability to be a rainmaker, to bring in business, that sets you on the partner track in your firm. It also you know, allows you to move to other firms pretty easily if that's what you want to do. It also, the relationship building also positions you well for a lot of lawyers want to go in-house. And while as a recruiter, I certainly do do recruiting for, I do recruiting for life sciences companies here in Massachusetts. That's a big industry for us and technology companies. But recruiters only get so many of those assignments. A lot of lawyers end up going in-house through their relationships. So even learning how to develop relationships and do business development is a way of advancing your career if you want to go in-house. Makes sense because you you understand how to build relationships with people and that build up your professional network and you can repurpose that in many ways apart from just business development. So tell me a little bit about this birth of a salesperson tagline that that you've used. <laughs> <laughs> so I my, my running joke is that my autobiography is going to be called Birth of a Salesman. And... The concept there is that I did not grow up in a household where business was valued. I did not know really how to sell when I graduated from law school, and it's something that I really had to learn. My father was a math professor. My mother was a school psychologist. 
and growing up, all I ever heard my father say was that business people are operators. And when I graduated from law school and I ended up working, doing seminar planning, conference planning for Massachusetts continuing legal education, and I saw the lawyers who were successful, the people that were speaking at our conferences, and even going to the conference conferences that we had on marketing, I could see that selling professional services, and I learned that selling professional services is nothing like selling consumer goods or used cars. It's about building relationships. And I came to learn that that's something that I could actually be pretty good at, and it's something that I really enjoy. The hard sell is not what really gets the work in the door. It's really getting to know people, what their problems are, what their business concerns are. That's how, as, as you know, and as you, I'm sure, work very closely with on you know, your, your, your clients, um, that's how lawyers build their, their practices. They find out what, they, they build relationships over time with either clients or referral sources. And when you're when you're working with a client, you know presumably they want to get you know business development results pretty quickly. How do you approach a, a new client relationship with regards to the goals that they're setting for themselves around BizDev? So typically, I tend to work with lawyers who are sort of at the earlier stages of business development. So I'm working with a an associate right now, who two associates right now who have about five or six years of experience. They're actually a little bit older because one of them worked in Washington for a few Congress people before going to law school. And another one uh, came from Israel and worked for a few years. And so although the person's only considered like a fifth year at his current firm, he has um, you know more years. But anyway, the people that I tend to work with tend to be really more at the earlier stages. There are other coaches who, you know, they'll take somebody that has a $2 million book of business and turn them into somebody who has a $5 million book of business. And I certainly have worked with those people. But what I really enjoy is taking somebody who's who has potential and, and enthusiasm and interest and motivation and really get them started on a path of really start starting to organize their marketing and their business development activities. So that's more where I'm, I'm at. And when you work with these attorneys that are getting started to build their book of business, what are some of the key um, shifts that they have to make that you found in their thinking to enable them to be successful? I think a big shift that they have to make is that they have to start focusing their attention in a consistent way on marketing and business development. I think a lot of lawyers who understand some of what to do, they don't have a consistent commitment to building their reputation, speaking, writing, and more importantly, towards cultivating the key relationships, whether first it's internally in their firm, and then second, it's on the outside. It's the big ask, right? <laughs> like uh, a lot of feedback that we'll get from people is, I don't have the time for business development. I'm so busy with work. And so uh, what are some of the, the insights that your clients have or some of the techniques that you work with them on that help them prioritize, because it is a prioritization, prioritize biz dev and marketing uh, alongside their other work? The starting point for me is always first figuring out who is their ideal client, what kind of practice they want to build. And everything kind of flows out from there because then that informs 
what you should be spending your time doing and who you should be connecting with and what relationships you should be cultivating. The other piece of it is that honestly, the hardest thing I have in my business as, as a coach is trying to get people to commit to coaching. Once they've committed to coaching, people generally are willing to commit to putting the work in. Although like any coach working with any athlete or, or any professional, part of the reason they're hiring you is to keep them motivated. So you do have to hold them accountable. But I think that a lot of lawyers who come to coaching are already kind of predisposed to putting in some of the time. And you know, one of the things that I've, I've heard, and I have my own opinions on this, but I also want to get yours, is when attorneys are new, so you know, prior to the five-year mark even, that they should start doing something around business development and marketing. The other school of thought is um, that they should be focusing primarily on building their craft and becoming great lawyers in that uh, the time to do business development will come later. Let's say when they're at your, you know, five, six, seven, whatever, whatever the, the, the time horizon is. What are your thoughts on uh, when attorneys should start with biz dev and what they should start doing? So I think the earlier that you start with this, the better. It's like saving for college. The sooner you start investing, the sooner you're going to get returns. Having said that, the most important thing you could do as a lawyer graduating from law school and starting in a new job is doing a great job because you get one opportunity to make a good first impression and you want to make a good first impression on the partners for whom you're doing the work. So that is really critical. But carving out some time to start to build your reputation, get to know on a deeper level, some of the people you went to college with, law school. The thing is that early on, the stakes are very low. And in fact, when you're pretty junior, you may not even know exactly what kind of business it is that you want to cultivate because you haven't really developed your niche yet. So it's a good time to experiment. In terms of the relationship building, it's a great time to just get to know people when you don't really need something. And I mean, you asked me, you know, how quickly people are able to successfully grow their practices when they work with me. Well, I always really try to make sure that people understand that it's going to take a significant commitment over a fairly significant amount of time. If somebody just starts writing articles and speaking today, they're very unlikely to see results tomorrow. Although I did once have a, this was more, this was actually a candidate, not a coaching client, but she started a podcast and it was around a certain industry. I think it was around microbreweries or something. I can't remember exactly what it was. And as soon as she started doing her podcast, an industry-focused podcast, she picked up a client, which wasn't to be expected, but it was a really smart thing for her to do. It's kind of a nice thing with lawyers is uh, they can find clients from anywhere. And then when they get intentional about doing things like doing an industry-specific uh, type of podcast or even a practice area specific podcast. It's, uh, it's amazing what can develop out of that. Um, but she was probably, I, I assume she was interested in the microbrewery industry as well and something that she was willing to commit to. Absolutely. Uh, with regards to that, you were going through your story about how you kind of learned your sales skills. And I was wondering if you could uh, fill us in on how you learned how to be a great salesperson. So first, let me say, (laughs) 
let me say that I don't consider myself a great salesperson. I consider myself a good salesperson. And the reason why I'm comfortable with that and why I think that's okay is because it's consistent with my brand. I am not the coach that's trying to make or help somebody make as much money as they possibly can. There are other coaches who are more assertive in really holding their clients' feet to the fire. I, if somebody says to me that they really want to grow their practice, I will try to talk to them about the whole, the gestalt, their career, what it is they really want to accomplish. And maybe part of their career isn't about building a practice. So I think that knowing what your goals are is important. And I help people not just grow their practice, but also do it in the context of figuring out what they really want from their careers and their lives. How did you learn to be a good salesperson? Well, like most of us, I had really great mentors. I, there were a number of coaches I had early on who really gave me some great feedback and advice on how to be more focused and deliberate. And honestly, I'm still learning. But I would say, you know, the most important thing that 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 I attribute my ability to learn how to sell from is is just learning going to workshops that I organized back in the early and mid 90s when I was at MCLE. Um, my wife's uncle was a great mentor to me. He was a, a business development coach and organizational psychologist. He gave me tremendous insights into what it takes to do relationship selling, reading, attending workshops, talking to people like yourself. I mean, I'm, I'm constantly learning. I think that's something that a lot of the great coaches do is we are always learning. We're always looking for ways to get better. Um, we learn things from each other, which is why I'm so happy we're talking today, Steve. We also learn things from our clients and then we learn things from other areas. Um, and so what are some of the, if you had to pick maybe the top two or three insights you've had over the past year with regards to business development, what would you say are some of those? It's great to get to know people, but it's also okay to be a little more strategic about how we can help each other. And I guess what I've learned in the past year from being improvisers is the real importance of choosing your lane. So there's a lot of people, improvisers, who do similar and overlapping things. But you want to make yourself memorable by defining your lane. So there's somebody in, in my region, Mike Katz, who does marketing to small professional services businesses. And he comes to the meetings and he says, I do newsletters. And that is eminently memorable. He does way more than that, but he really makes himself memorable. And he has lots of other ways that he makes himself memorable. He has penguins galore in his logo and in his, in his marketing. So he's the penguin guy. But... But just making yourself memorable by choosing your lane, I think, is so important. Uh, there's a, uh, a family law attorney in, um, in, in San Francisco, uh, Terry Cisco, and he got his start. He, now he's a certified family law specialist, so very different now. But a few years ago, he had sort of built his reputation on being the person to call for restraining orders. And that's just an example. You know, he did much more than that, but that was how he got his initial foray into that field and really, really built a name for himself was, was by doing that. And it was unique and it's different. And so it stood out and people remembered it. And I think that's a great example, Steve, and I'm glad you brought it up of the idea of picking a niche, choosing a lane, whatever term you want to, whatever term you want to use on it, 
seems counterintuitive because you're making your target smaller. Uh, you're not going after everything, right? So in your case, it was it, the, the gentleman you just mentioned just going after newsletters. And you would think, oh my gosh, he's turning away all this other work around SEO and collateral and graphic design and branding and da, 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 da. But what ends up happening is that becomes more memorable. And so the net result of it is that person probably gets a lot more business than if they tried to capture everything. So it's better to be known for one thing than it is to be you know, unknown for 12 different things. And I think that's the difference there. So I'm glad you brought that up, Steve. For attorneys that are looking to, you know, and, and we'll skew this question uh, towards the clients you, you enjoy really working with, for attorneys who are looking to build their book of business, uh, what advice would you give them? The most important piece of advice I can give them is invest time and energy into marketing. It's not going to just happen just by doing great work. You have to really know what you want and you have to get your reputation built through various, you know, either whether whatever you like doing, writing, speaking, if you're big on social media, but most importantly, building relationships with the correct people. So like one of my I have a lot of dad jokes and one of my ongoing dad jokes is like if you, you know, if you want to marry somebody Jewish, don't hang out at Catholic singles dances. So 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 but you have to know that you want to marry somebody Jewish first. That's like the starting point and everything kind of flows from there. So if you want to work with life sciences companies, like I know a lawyer who who does who does patent law and I don't know, he's differentiating himself by being like the the law office technology guru. And maybe that's helping him really differentiate himself. But my advice to him was, if you really want to get, you know, if you really want to deepen your your business in, in the tech sector, then spend more time working with and, and getting to know people in the industries, in the industry where you want to do more work. This is somebody who's getting to know a lot of lawyers by demonstrating that, that he really understands law office technology. And maybe that maybe that's helping him. But I think he would also benefit a lot from spending more time in industry groups and becoming known as the patent lawyer to those industries. Yeah, it also makes sense. You know, the rule of thumb I have is, you know, for most of my clients is look, roughly 75%, 80% of uh, an attorney's business comes from referrals from other attorneys. It's not true for every practice area, but it's true for a lot of them. And so building relationships with other attorneys is a great way to get work also. So what I like about that individual that you mentioned is he's got a plan. It's deliberate. It's intentional. Sounds like it's something he's good at and hopefully it's something he enjoys. And I know those are all things that you look for when you work with your clients as well. Make sure that they enjoy the marketing that they do and that, you know, they're actually pretty good at it. Yeah. And it doesn't have, yeah. And it could be a lot of fun and it, and it, and you could differentiate yourself in ways that don't have anything to do with your specific area of professional expertise. And maybe, you know, probably this patent lawyer is going to get good referrals just because he's helping a lot of lawyers run their businesses, people that don't do patent law, and he'll get referrals from them. So I know uh, I worked some years ago with a bankruptcy lawyer who was trying to grow his practice, and and he was also a musician, and he had a, a band and he became known, he had a, a band that played for the American Bankruptcy Institute at their conferences. And bankruptcy lawyers, they refer a lot of work to each other because there's always a lot of parties in bankruptcy. So getting to know other bankruptcy lawyers for that practice area is actually a really good strategy. And so 
he differentiated himself and became known because he was part of the American Bankruptcy Institute band. <laughs> wow. There are many paths to getting known, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and you were like, we cannot make up some of this stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to make sure that we have time for this. You've introduced a brand new program. So I'm excited to hear more about the next stage coaching program that you're rolling out. Well, I'm really glad to have the opportunity to talk about it. And anyone who comes anywhere near me hears me talk a lot about this. And frankly, I think my wife is pretty tired of hearing me talk about it. So I'm glad that I get to talk to other people about it. So about three years ago, my wife and I participated in a group on aging. And like we didn't get the memo. We, we had just become empty nesters. And everybody else in the group was like 10 or 15 years older than us. And so at first I was like, huh, are we in the right group? <laughs> but, but we participated in it for the better part of a year. And what was so great about it was that it really made me realize that it's never too soon to start thinking about your next steps. And, you know, we're, I'm not anywhere near retirement, but, but it really got me thinking. And so one of the things that got me thinking about was you don't want to wait until you quote unquote retire to take up things that are of interest to you. So last summer I bought myself a nice Martin guitar and started playing again. I played a fair amount in high school. I played in my twenties. I played when my kids were young, but I hadn't really gotten any further in a long time. So, so being involved in that group made me realize that there's a lot of, need to be planning. And then, so then the pandemic hit and a lot of us are sort of facing these existential questions. What are we doing here? What do we want from life? What's really important? And coupled with that, I've known for a long time, and it's certainly true in the Boston area. I'm sure it's true everywhere in the country. A lot of firms are facing succession planning issues. You've got lawyers who are baby boomers who are kind of getting on in, in years and they might want to keep practicing far into the future, but maybe they don't want to be doing it in exactly the same way, but maybe they don't know how to do anything other than what they've been doing. Lawyers can sometimes not be so self-aware. So uh, I put together this program called The Next Stage, and it's going to be a combined uh, six-month program involving group workshops and one-on-one -on -one coaching. And the goal is not that somebody at the end of six months is, is going to hang up their cleats and have a, their last day in the office, but that they'll start to come up with a plan, whether it's scaling back a little bit, whether it's how they want to transition their clients, whether they want to leave the law altogether and try something new, or whether they want to pick up more pro bono work, get involved in boards, for-profit boards, non-profit boards. And I'm, you know, I'm very excited about it. Well, it sounds like a great program for the right kind of attorney. And so if they want to learn more about it, Steve, what's the best way for them to contact you? So the best way to contact me is to just go to my website, counseltocounsel.com. That's counseltocounsel.com. I've got a lot of career resources on the website, marketing resources. There are links to my blog, my podcast, and all my contact information is there. Awesome. Terrific. And, and before we wrap things up, tell us a little bit about your podcast. So my podcast is kind of a microcosm of everything that we've been talking about. I interview lawyers who have enjoyed some sort of success or satisfaction in their careers, either just through more traditional 
you know, just through building their practice in a more traditional way or, or trying things and doing things very differently. And I try to provide lawyers with, who are li the listeners with opportunities to hear from some role models. And then I also interview consultants like yourself. And so, I mean, I just, I try to provide lawyers with some tools, tips, and then some ideas to stimulate their thinking about how can I find more satisfaction in or outside of the law? And you've been doing this podcast for much longer than I have, Steve. How long have you been, has your podcast been running? Well, I don't know that I've been doing it that much longer. I, I, I have been doing it since the beginning of 2018. So I yeah. guess that's two and a half years. Yeah, and I've been doing it for six months. So <laughs> oh, okay. you've got a little bit of a head start, but that's great. Um, and for people who want to check out the podcast, what's the name of it and how do they get it? The name of the podcast is the same. It's Counsel to Counsel. And you could find it anywhere you get your podcasts on iTunes. You could also just link to the homepage of the podcast from my website. So everything is branded as Counsel to Counsel because that's what I do. I provide counsel to lawyers. Well, Steve, thank you so much for your time today. It was a pleasure get, having you on the show. And uh, just a lot of really good advice uh, that came out of our conversation today. So thank you. Well, again, I really, really appreciate having the opportunity. It's, it's a lot of fun. You know, I really enjoy talking to you and I'm learning just by getting to know you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Everyone, that's Stephen Seckler, president of Seckler Legal Recruiting and Coaching. And that's a wrap. To get more episodes, webinars, and free stuff, visit LawyerBusinessAdvantage.com. My name is Alej Yajnik. Thank you for listening. And remember, there's a rainmaker inside everyone, including you.